Assurance of Pardon is sponsored by Logos Bible Software, the most advanced Bible study tool for both ministers and laypeople. Available on iOS and Android for phones and tablets, as well as on your Windows or Mac computer or laptop. Get the most of your time in the scriptures with Logos Bible Software. For more information and 15% off your next Logos package plus five free ebooks, visit assuranceofpardon.com slash logos. Now on with the show. Welcome to Assurance of Pardon, a podcast about the gospel, the Bible, the church, what it all means, and why it all matters. I'm Scott Davis, pastor of Hope Presbyterian Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. I'm Gage Jordan, senior pastor of First Presbyterian Dyersburg in Dyersburg, Tennessee. Gage, uh, our listeners probably thought that we had given up on our uh, having you and I having conversations about things because these last couple of months, the only episodes that we have posted have just been uh, you and I separately on other people's podcasts, right. me on yep. the Serrated Edge and you on uh, Corey Pelton's One Horse Town. And uh, we enjoyed getting a chance to share those uh, great podcasts from our good friends, Corey and Justin, uh, with our listeners. And I hope that you guys will check out uh, their stuff and look at what they do because they both uh, put out a lot of great content. But this morning, we are back on our Jesus in the Old Testament series, and we have made our way to uh, a book that nobody knows what to do with, and that is the book of Ecclesiastes. But before we go there, uh, Gage, tell everybody about the Society of Reform Podcasts. Absolutely. So we are part of a network of podcasts called the Society of Reform Podcasts, and it it has a variety of different shows, uh, anything from Reformed Brotherhood to Distilling Theology uh, to Bobcast and others. It, it'll handle everything from church planning uh, to uh, Reformed Theology to, to just the works of, of Bob Inc. to um, talking about theology while uh, sipping great uh, bourbons and, and scotches and other things uh, to discussing the, the important matters of, of Reformed Theology in, in the day-to-day life sermons and other things uh so we we've got a host of, of podcasts you can check it out on reform podcasts with an s uh dot com or you can uh wherever you listen to podcasts look at the the meg mega feed uh under society of reform podcast and you can get all of uh the the episodes including assurance of pardon uh right there in the mega feed and enjoy kind of variety of, of different shows from the reform perspective we love those guys well, this morning we're talking about the book of Ecclesiastes, and I preached through the book of Ecclesiastes here at Hope Presbyterian a few years ago. And one of the things that makes Ecclesiastes so difficult is because, well, it's just unlike other books of the Bible. If you had a friend who came to you and said, uh, Gage, I'm really struggling with depression um, and uh, just the meaninglessness of life, uh, anything in scripture you could give me to, to cheer me up. Um, there's a lot of things you might give them. You probably wouldn't point them to the book of Ecclesiastes. Yes. Start Uh, with a book that says everything is meaningless. (laughs) That should cure cure your depression. Everything's meaningless. And then you die. Yep. Yes. So how are we to understand Ecclesiastes? Absolutely. So, um, there's actually more to, we're just kidding. There's more to Ecclesiastes than everything is meaningless, but, uh, just to give you some, some context, um, it's, um, 
written from the perspective of the preacher or the teacher, depending on which translation you're using. And that actually comes from how the uh, Hebrew word that's used there, it literally translates one who gathers people, right? And so they're, they're practically the reason we translate it teacher or preacher, because those are the people that gather people to talk and, and impart wisdom is preachers and teachers. And so uh, the, the teacher has gathered his pupils uh, to talk about life. And it begins by saying, these are the words of the teacher, the, the King uh, David's son who ruled in Jerusalem. So most people are going to take the position that it is Solomon. There are some that, that argue it's, it's someone else couldn't be Solomon for a number of different reasons, but here's why I'm in the camp, uh, Scott, that I think it is Solomon, what he's going to write about. Right. He, all, all the things he's going to talk about in terms of wisdom and life and things that he's experienced match the wisdom and life and experiences of what Solomon went through. So if you remember uh, from earlier uh, in our, our time in the Old Testament, Solomon um, comes to God and uh, God says, ask anything from me and I'll give it to you. And he asked for wisdom uh, and the ability to rule uh, well. And because he doesn't ask for money or power or fame or any of those other things, God ends up giving him all the other things uh, he didn't ask for. Uh, and so now what you see is an old, older man reflecting on all those things. As you go through the book, it's going to tell you, I planted all the gardens. I built all the libraries. I had all the women. I had all the fame. I had all the riches. I did all the things. And it was all vanity or meaningless now meaning meaningless is the easiest way for us to understand it in english but if you allow me to nerd out in the original language for just a second it's a little closer really to the idea of of its vaporless meaning in life you will try to to build things you will try to attain things you will try to grasp things maybe it's I'm going to be the smartest guy in the room. I'm going to be rich and famous. I'm going to be the top seller in, in my business. I'm going to be an exec. I'm going to have all the things or whatever it is that you're chasing after notoriety, attention, status, whatever. It's always something's always going to feel like it's out of your reach or it's slipping through your fingers. Or how many times have you heard the story, Scott? You know, number one. Uh, recruit coming out of high school playing a, a sport he's getting scouted by colleges or he's in college getting scouted by the pros and he tears his acl and then all of a sudden he doesn't know what to do with his life that's essentially really what it kind of means more than life is meaningless as it, it uh, is as in the the writer isn't arguing arguing for fatalism fatalism is that we're just here nothing nothing matters um, you know, it's it's what I call um, queen theology, Fred Mercury theology. <laughs> nothing really matters. Anyone can say nothing really matters to me. Yeah. Right. Um, or or the uh, uh, U2s. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, and so in in that reality, he's not telling you that life is is pointless. He's actually saying all of these things that you're going to try to find your hope, your identity and your security in are going to feel like vapors that you never can actually grasp. And and that's kind of how he sets things up, whether it's attaining, even attaining wisdom for the sake of wisdom, which wisdom I've heard defined 
as knowledge that's attained through lived experience, right? That's how you gain wisdom. You you know, the joke is always, you know, don't pray for patience because then you'll be put in situations where you got to be patient. Don't pray for wisdom because then you're going to have to learn some things. Uh, This is actually what you find with the writer of, of Ecclesiastes. Yeah, we, we, uh, I'm preaching through Proverbs right now at at our church and the difference between wisdom and intelligence is intelligence is knowing that a tomato is a fruit and wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. (laughs) That's a good point. I like that. That's a good dad joke. I appreciate that. Um, So um, our our boys at distilling theology will be, be proud of us for our dad jokes in our podcast. Uh, Shout out to the, to the, to those guys. But it, it kind of culminates in building this this uh, argument with the the um, the great um, line in, in chapter three that we get from the great 60s song. Uh, there's a season for the mamas and papas. Uh, you know, there's a time for war and a time to die, a time to live, a time to plant this that, and the other. And then he says in verse 11, read now the NLT, but really the other every other good translation is about the same. Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. Um, and, and that's that's the essence of what he, what he's trying to get to. That as you're chasing these other things, status, knowledge, power, money, whatever it is, every single person, whether you're a Christian or not, has eternity written on your heart. You're created after the image of of God. And therefore, you know that you're accountable to the one who has created you, even if you don't know how to articulate that. Paul says it this way, what can be known about God is made plain to them ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. Uh, his his known attributes, his divine nature and glory have been clearly perceived. So people are without excuse, right? And so here, the writer says the exact same thing that we all have eternity written on our hearts that we know that there's, there's more out out there. I mean, I think, I think about the interview with, with Tom Brady years ago where he's on, on 60 minutes. He's, he's having this Barbara Walters like moment and they're asking, he's won all these championships and they're asking him how he feels. And he says, "I, I thought that, that I would, when I reached the mountaintop, that would be it. There's got to be something more than this. That's the that's the angst in Ecclesiastes that that's you right. have eternity written on your heart that you're trying to wrestle through it that you're trying to understand it, and it and he basically walks through all sorts of different things uh, where that's true: friendship, power, wealth, wisdom, money, romance, whatever whatever you could possibly imagine that you would think would be the thing. He's gonna gonna make it the thing, but really all he's doing is setting up for the gospel. And we see right. Jesus, we see Jesus do the same thing in the Sermon <clears throat> on the Mount when he says, um, you know, the law can be summed up this way, that you should love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. The he, Jesus, the true and better Solomon, the true and better essence of wisdom is pulling from Ecclesiastes when he says that. Yeah, uh, what uh, what I have found most helpful as a way to get your head around the book of Ecclesiastes is to uh, realize that the the 
that you Ecclesiastes is asking hard, hard questions that only the gospel could answer. He and and that's what you're going to find over and over again. I want to recommend a resource on um, on this from the the series we have been repeatedly um, pointing to, and that is the Nancy Guthrie Jesus in the Old Testament series, her book, The Wisdom of God, because what what she's going to show and what to to, to prove the point that our uh, summary of the book of Ecclesiastes is asking the hard questions that only the gospel can answer is what is, what are the questions that Ecclesiastes asks is does anything last? Yes. Does anything satisfy? Yes. Is anyone in control? Yeah. Jesus is in control. Is there any comfort? Does anyone dare draw near to God? Is there any hope beyond the grave and does justice ever get done? And the gospel answers all of those things. Um, and in a way that, that what the writer to the Ecclesiastes shows us, nothing else can. That's right. That's absolutely right. And so when you consider things like uh, Ecclesiastes 12, for example, right? Um, don't, don't let the excitement of your youth cause you to forget your creator. Honor him in your youth before you grow old, say, and say, life is not pleasant anymore. When you, when you get old and achy and, and the conversations you're having, with your best friends or about your your hip replacements and 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 what medications you're on this is essentially what he's telling you uh remember him before the light of the sun the moon and the stars is dim in your old eyes and rain clouds continuously darken your sky remember him before your legs uh the guards of your house start to tremble before your shoulders the strong men stop uh stoop remember him before your teeth uh, your few remaining servants stop grinding and before your eyes, the women looking through the, the the windows seem dimly right. So he's using poetry to describe, hey, before your body gives up, gives up on you, right? right. Um, and and anybody um after after the age of probably twenty eight, this starts to become a reality for you when you start hurting yourself in your sleep. Right, this it, you become more and more aware, and it just gets gets better and better after that. Um, yeah. But when you, you when you wake up in the morning and it, and and you get out of bed and it looks like you're limping away from a car accident, that's exactly right. I've, I've pinched a nerve in my sleep. Um, I don't know how I did that, but I, I did. Um, because why? Because everything. Because even even your physical health is a vapor, right? Even even that's going to give up on you. Um, this is my argument against CrossFit. But um, you know, as you, <laughs> sure, yes. Uh, as you're you're doing all of those things, what does he say? Verse five. Remember him before you become fearful of falling and worry about the danger in the streets. Before your hair turns white like an almond tree in bloom, and you drag along without energy like a dying grasshopper, and and the cape berry no longer inspires sexual desire. Remember before him before you near the grave your everlasting home when the mourners will weep at your funeral yes remember your creator now while you're young before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken don't wait until the water jar is smashed um at, at this spring and the pulley is broken and all at the well from then the dust will return to the earth and the spirit will return to god who gave it and then he and he, he gets to this this point where he's going to lay out that, that God's the judge, right? Uh, verse 13 of chapter 12. That's the whole story. 
Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commandments, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. The apostles and Jesus himself are echoing the prophet in Ecclesiastes, right? That's right. Uh, because Paul, for example, let me give you two two key examples. Acts chapter 17 Verse 26, reading from the ESV, Paul says this at Mars Hill uh, in in talking about um, when he's talking to these people and he he comes upon a series of statues, a series of idols, and there's a idol that they don't have a name for. And he he uses that as a jumping point to share the gospel. One of the things he says, Acts 17, verse 26, and he made... From one man, every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet actually, actually he is not far from each of us for, and he quotes their poets, in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he's commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he would judge the world in righteousness by a man who he's appointed. And of this, he has given assurance by raising him from the dead, right? All Paul is doing is his best uh, Ecclesiastes impression, right? In that moment. All he's doing is borrowing from Solomon. I'll give you, give you, give you one more, one more verse here. Um, Hebrews chapter four. Connection. Please try again later. Siri's trying to help me. I don't need her to help me. Um, <laughs> as uh, Hebrews chapter four, uh, in in talking uh, about the the scriptures here, I believe it's Hebrews four. There it is. Yes. For the word of God is living. Uh, This is verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of spirit and joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but are naked and exposed to the eyes of him who we must give an account. That's almost in those two different occasions there word for word, how Ecclesiastes ends. Why? Because the the author of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, in my my opinion, is telling you, hey, I've done all, all the things. I've chased all, all, all the areas. I have, <clears throat> to, to use the word words of Jeremiah, I've dug broken cisterns that can hold no water. At the end of the day, eternity was on my heart. And the thing I have found is to find my creator who points me to his son uh who through whom the world was created and his name is Jesus and he uses he is the living word who pierces to your heart and no, he knows you nothing is hidden from his sight and here's the the good news of the gospel Scott when you hear that you know John chapter 2 Jesus knew, knew what was in the heart of man or here in Hebrews chapter 4 we're exposed it's going to do one of two things. That's either going to scare you to death that you could, um, as Johnny Cash says, run on for a long time, or 
um, you can run to Christ. And and the good news of the gospel is is he knows your heart and wants you anyway. And that's Amen. that's that's ultimately even what Solomon here in Ecclesiastes is telling you is hey I've done all the things and the only thing that wasn't a vapor that didn't feel meaningless that didn't feel like vanity was putting my hope my security and my identity in God alone. Absolutely. And uh, uh, um, I think one, one of the ways we can close is that the, 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 the repeated refrain throughout the book of Ecclesiastes is what vanity, vanity, all is vanity, all is a vapor, all is a mist, all is here today, gone tomorrow. All is the, like the dew on the grass that's that, that, that passes away. Um, the, the answer to that groan of Ecclesiastes, I, I believe, is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where Paul uh, closes his letter to this church at Corinth, saying, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. There it is. The Lord Christ has, has made our labors not vain. Right. He has made them, they matter because of Jesus. Another, another way of, of looking at it is um, we've been created to glorify God and enjoy him forever, right? First question of the shorter catechism. Um, so we eat and we drink and do all to the glory of God. We hope you, you found this helpful. We hope you have heard the gospel in Ecclesiastes and seen Jesus uh, through the, the writings of um, Solomon here in Ecclesiastes. And we'd love to answer any questions you have. If you're going, hey, how are you guys seeing this? We would, again, commend Nancy Guthrie's uh, works there for you. Um, she's got the wis- wisdom of God section. She's also got another book on uh, the the Old Testament prophets and seeing Jesus and the Old Testament prophets, which is a great resource uh, as we we dig into the Old Testament further. Um, but we'd love to answer any questions. You can always hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Uh, it's not Twitter anymore, Scott. It's X. You can That's hit what us I on, hear. On, on on Facebook and Instagram or X. Um, you can also email us at contact at assuranceapartment.com or a message our website. We, we check that on a regular basis and we'll get back with you as soon as we can. Um, and until next time, Scott, this is Assurance Department. God bless.